Hey folks and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing House, directed by Nobuhiku Obohashi, newly released Reptile by Grant Singer, and these are all newly released here. We have Blue Giant by Yuzuru Tachikawa. Dumb Money by Craig Gillespie and The Creator by Gareth Edwards. Okay, we'll bring in Vince here to uh, fix my errors on that one. Uh, folks, it's going to be a great show. Stay tuned and enjoy. Mr. Vincent Daly, how he's laughing Japan's so, native Tom Record. <laughs> you know, I rehearsed before you got here, Ow. and then I usually reverse right before we click go. Right, right. But uh, no, I feel you. I sometimes no, Nobu Hiko. Yep. Obayashi. Yeah, I love Obayashi, that. That's great. Right, and then we have I had Yuzuru, to break up. Yuzuru, Yuzuru, <laughs> yeah. Tachikawa. Uh, Tachikawa. Tachikawa. Yeah. Okay, well, boy, listen, after listen. the Godzilla episode, I mean, it's just all downhill from here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, any any points that we've earned uh, through the Godzilla episode yeah. are now gone. Um, it's great I, to be I back with up, you. Uh, I break them up phonetically in my notes as well. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. I just freaking go for it. <laughs> Half the time, I can't even read the handwriting. <laughs> it is good to be back, Tom. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well. It was a good trip out west there for a couple weeks. That's great. And you were busy watching movies still. We posted, again, the Godzilla special. It seems like really people are, are really liking it, mm, which is good. Yep. We had a lot of engagement with it. Yep. And uh, it was was fun for me to go back and even give it a oh, listen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I just, it, like we've experienced with specials, um, I just like producing at a higher quality, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. research projects and stuff like that. And It was a doozy. Yeah, exactly. And also, yeah, there is definitely a, a degree <laughs> there. I'm happy it's done. I'm happy we just like, got it out because I'm kind of done with it. So uh, Definitely a great app. So people, if you haven't listened to that one, go ahead and give it give it a listen or, or just go ahead and play around, search around because it's a big episode. Oh, sure, but yeah. It's great to be back here. We have, and we're not back with one new movie. It's four new movies. Mm, yep. And some of these are digital releases like Reptile is getting a lot of buzz on Netflix. So it's good that we're covering that. Sure. Uh, the one I'm most excited for is Reptile, actually. Oh, really? I almost sat down and listen and try to watch it. It, but I was actually kind of curious to see what your thoughts Interesting. on it were. Interesting, okay. Um, but I like the list because it's very it's a big variation, too. <laughs> yeah, we're so. all over the map on this one. <laughs> Probably uh, most all over the map for the first slot as well. Yeah, obviously this one I was not uh, expecting yeah, at all. I can't, I can't imagine it's on many people's radar. <laughs> so let's get into the episode right away. We're jumping back to 1977, Vin. It's just called House. 
uh, original title title Haozu Haozu yeah and why why this film get into it a little bit and also how'd you like it sure sure so uh, let me start with saying that this movie has been on my radar for a while okay in looking for a single slot whore this week uh, I would say by no means was this a perfect match uh, in no way was it a good for that single slot <laughs> uh, especially because I didn't really love this movie either okay uh, <laughs> All right. but. It's, it's something that I was very excited to give a shot for just how truly insane I heard this movie was. Uh, and not to mention one of the coolest posters around. I mean, I, I was happy yeah, it's cool. to cover this just so that we have that poster on the site because it's a cool looking <laughs> movie at least. I hope so. I get it on the site then so. <laughs> A little slow. Yeah. Uh, no, very, it's definitely very cool. And this yeah. was on your list for like years? Or uh, yeah. as we st- okay, gotcha. Uh, I, this was, I, I have kind of a remnants of of other Japanese horror that most likely probably not going to get to. Okay. Also, after seeing this, don't know if I'm excited uh, to get to <laughs> either. Uh, but uh, yeah, there, there's a, a good group of these kind of spirit stories in Japanese horror at okay. the time in the late 60s and the 70s. The late 60s also is a not a golden era of Japanese film, uh, but uh, it's it's where there's a little bit of a boom, obviously, on the back of Kurosawa films. So, Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so it wasn't because of director or anything no. like that. It was just straight... It's in this pocket of this weird genre yeah, at Japan yeah. at this time. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, my hope here, folks, that is, was that I didn't encounter what I felt last year watching the, uh, best way I can describe it, the boldly off-putting Possession from 1981. Mm. Uh, you know, going back to that review, it was a movie that I adored and I thought was very scary, but it was so grating in its horror delivery that it really hurt the experience and in turn the rating as well. This is certainly similar in its art house horror vibe, folks. And honestly, nothing comes close to uh, this movie for comparison's sake. I mean, this movie is out there. Okay. Yeah, this is... Uh, I like it. I, I mean, I would say the closest thing that I can maybe recommend is that uh, it's like Raimi's original Evil Dead trilogy, that camp and kind of a goofiness is paired side by side with the horror. Okay. And a lot of emphasis on, on practical effects as well. Hell, go back to those reviews. I wasn't too big of a fan of the original <laughs> Evil Dead trilogy either. Yes, so. To the chagrin of some. Yeah, exactly. So in House, uh, we follow a group of carefree Japanese schoolgirls uh, going to the countryside on a summer vacation. Each have cute names such as Melody. Sweet, fantasy, <laughs> but also confusing names like Mac. Mac? <laughs> not, not really sure what that's about. Uh, our lead, Gorgeous, is searching for her aunt's house after news of her having a new stepmom. But once they find her, this fun girl's trip flips into a hellish ghost story. This isolated house is filled with yokai, strange Japanese spirits that torment the girls into insanity and feed off of that malicious desire. Uh, insanity is really the way to go about this this feels like i don't know if, if I, I didn't do too much research into the inspiration for this but it feels like a, a, a japanese director saw shining and wanted to mm. pair it or do stylistically this kind of madness horror and pair it with these japanese folklore type of spirits uh in this house and is it just so chaotic because it's it's a whole group of characters a whole group of just teenage girls mm. trapped in 
It's small house, presumably. Yes, it, it's it's that and and probably a good five other things. That okay. is how chaotic <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, I, I would say the start of this film is deceptively sweet. Uh, this is where it kind of lives in this camp or this almost uh, intentional parody. It's like uh, cotton candy laced with poison. That's mm. how I would describe House. Okay. So, um, I love it. Love the food reference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize there was another food reference. <laughs> like I said, uh, you know, all seven of these girls have nicknames that are cheesy. Uh, there are these cheesy kung fu sequences, and honestly, none of them are good. Okay. And if it's not clear yet, this movie bathes in an intentional camp uh, to contrast the scares. This is where my Evil Dead comparison comes into play because it's not necessarily trying to be comedic, but it's definitely trying to be goofy, and it's definitely trying to s- shock the audience by preparing you with this bubblegum sweet uh, schoolgirls, mm-hmm. Japanese, oh, they're, they're all in uf- uniforms, you know, stereotypicalness to it, and then suddenly switch on a horror vibe to it. But it's leaning into itself. It, it, it's oh. aware of being scary but ridiculous at the same time. Mm. It doesn't think it's serious. No, no, and I think it is self-aware. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't be for sure yeah. uh, just because... You know, there there can be just, you know, especially even you look at like anime, sometimes Japanese comedy doesn't work. Sometimes it just sure. doesn't, it doesn't land. Yeah. At least, at least for kind of Western audiences. Uh, but, uh, but here I think there is an intentionality okay. to it. So, so fair warning folks. I mean, like I said, not a huge fan of this film, but this film is very silly at times, uh, even when the horror is clocked up. So if camp isn't your thing, this is a total no go. What surprised me, though, is how creative some of that camp was, uh, enough that I could actually enjoy it slightly. Like I mentioned in the Godzilla reviews, uh, that old Japanese films kind of stylistically are five to ten years behind, mm-hmm. and that, uh, let me tell you, that 100% stands up here. <laughs> uh, this feels so 60, it hurts, um, <laughs> especially in music and effects. Um, you know, Some of that, like I said, is intentional to achieve this you know, uh, schoolgirl bubblegum vibe to it that they will eventually throw into a meat grinder. But it's also in how it takes risk in filmmaking. And I can't say I enjoyed all of the tricks, but the film is constantly doing something different. Uh, and I found that very interesting. There's almost not a single repeat type of scare in the film. Okay. It's almost like once and done constantly. It's a, it's a barrage for that reason, but very interesting as far as uh, uh, a whore coming out in 77. You know, nothing this bold I've, I've found. Okay, that's good that you're finding it bold and not just like, wow, this guy was just trying to throw spaghetti on the wall yeah. and see which one sticks. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit of that. <laughs> maybe a little bit of that. <laughs> just how I described it as art house horror, mm-hmm. I think that is going to help folks at home uh, decide if this is for them, you you know, if yeah. you like maybe going for something a little bit more experimental. Uh, and if there is a reason to watch this, it's because it is psychedelic horror with a heavy emphasis on psych. I mean, this is deep in its style. The amount of variation in editing styles and story presentation is vast. I mean, I'm talking even within the first 30 minutes of this hmm. film okay. before any quote-unquote real scares come, you see such a wide range of visual tricks, audio tricks, uh, playing with the speed of the footage, manipulating the frame, and countless other effects, and it never stops with so much being experimented on film. So there's a respect that I have for that, and it just kind of shows that the goal of this film, like The Shining, is kind of to attack the sanity in a mm, horror okay. way. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I it's, I can see how it's setting itself up for success with all these these broad things you're putting on it. Mm. 
can be successful right. and really good. In implementation in mm. 77 in Japan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. A big area of that is the production, uh, without a doubt. You know, sadly, mm-hmm. that production chopped away at the potential scary moments of the film. And, you know, these, these rapid-fire shifts in tone and style, it made for an extremely unique horror. Uh, but I feel it's something that... It was it was almost too bold for its own good. If this had modern VFX, if this had maybe a little bit more mm. decent of a budget, I feel like a concept like this could really be amazing. Yeah, but uh, just not it's crazy. not the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is you know weird in the most Japanese way possible. And uh, while that isn't always super scary, it does attack the sanity directly as you watch it. And I can confidently say this is uh, you know one of one of a kind for that reason. Folks, uh, beyond uh, any comparison, uh, House serves as a challenge this horror season and probably for only the most diehard horror fanatics. Uh, I'll say if you enjoy Italian horror of the 70s or possibly just want to see how out there this gets, this lands as an interesting watch, but one I won't be returning to. We're going to go ahead and give House 1977 a 59. Okay, 59. Wow, all right. Well, it's above the 50s there. Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it, it earns... Something. Uh, a slight spotlight, but <laughs> not, not, I wouldn't really call it, like, good, good. Okay, so. very particular for the right person. I bet yeah. this hits, because you said this has a huge cult following, mm. right? Maybe not or a huge, it... but, I mean, like, Criterion picked it up, even. Okay, all so. right, so it's got something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a specific genre. This just... fits with a very select few people. Yeah, yeah. Psychedelic uh, horror. <laughs> whatever, whatever, what else you can put in that? Um, all right, Vin. Well, I think that means right away we got to go into oh, our right. producer segment, uh, just because we have four, like I said, four new releases. Which Absolutely, I think is just awesome. So we have two producers coming in here over the past two weeks, Vin, and uh, they're both executive producers because they're both giving you a movie ticket. Oh, look at that! Eleven seventy-five. Wonderful. But, I'm glad that's it. successful. I'm glad that people are, are vibing with that. Yeah, I'm glad I eventually thought of the idea. <laughs> like, where was it? Past a year and a half. Um, but we'll start with Maxwell Farnsworth mm. uh, came in and actually donated on Venmo, and he did twelve bucks, but he meant it for it to be a movie yeah. ticket. So Max, we thank you so much. I didn't get a note from Max. So, oh really? Yeah. So Farnsworth, if you want, you can do an email to us, uh, Tom.Vin at thedailyratings.com. Yeah, absolutely. And write in a note, and we'll read it next week and everything like absolutely. that. Absolutely happy um, to. Give your love, give your hate. That's yeah. all, it's all good. But thank you so much for that movie ticket. And then, of course, also giving you a movie ticket this week is Matt D Matt coming D. in again. So Matt <laughs> D wrote, great job on the Godzilla special. Hard work, well done. That's you great. deserve some money for that. Uh, here, go see a fun and breezy 90-minute comedy on me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah seriously. <laughs> well, uh, we'll have to get back to Pineapple Express at some point. So, yeah. uh, Matt, thank you so much, man. You continue to produce and, and be producer of the daily ratings. And no knives are out. We uh, comes wow. in peace. We have a bunch of white flags waving. That's this is fantastic. fantastic. Uh, Matt, and, and, <laughs> Matt and Max, thank you guys so much. You are producers of the daily ratings, and uh, it's just a credit to your name. Max is a new producer. We haven't had him before, mm-hmm. so it's awesome to have him aboard. Uh, kind of the daily ratings family. Absolutely. A producer of the daily rating so folks if you're wondering what's going on here and uh what kind of model we're going off of it's a value for value model so for instance this episode in the past couple of weeks max and matt have gotten value from what we're doing here on the podcast or the site or the newsletter although the newsletter had gone out in the past two weeks <laughs> but the idea is um they're getting some sort of they're, they're liking this they're doing their own Maybe critiquing their own movie list because of listening. Maybe they just we give them a smile and they're kind of following along every week sure. with what movies we're watching. Sure. So they somehow found it valuable. So they went on the dailyratings.com. They go to the uh, they go to the donations tab, 
uh, on the website and through your monetary support you become a producer of the daily ratings that's why we keep on calling them producers and executive producers of episode 103 because anyone who can donate to the show you legitimately are a producer mm. this is just like hollywood i mean you're literally keep helping keeping this thing going ben and i will sit down and host this podcast every week but you all help keep it going with your engagement and also with your monetary support which is just so awesome so important for us so matt and matt Max and Matt, thank you so much for your movie tickets. Ben can go see two movie tickets. Look at that. Go see two movies this week, which is great. Um, thank you guys so much. And uh, you are now producers, like I said, episode 103 of the Daily Ratings. All right, Ben. So with that, let's keep things going. We're going to start with on the Netflix side of things. This is a new movie with T- Justin Timberlake, with our boy Benicio. Benicio. This is called Reptile. This is directed by Grant Singer. Mm. And first, have we run into Grant Singer before? No, no. Uh, okay. He comes from a, um, a music video background, actually. Ah. Uh, which uh, I- I'm always open to. Yeah, that does uh, happen. Yeah, yeah, like Dave Fincher, Not classic in- example. Alan Brown? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so we have Reptile, directed we'll by have Grant Singer. special. It's, it's announced. <laughs> It's locked in, folks. <laughs> uh, reptile Man, how was it? Like I said, I was pretty interested in this one. Sure, sure. I, I think this was getting a lot of buzz. Uh, it's been a while since we've checked in with Netflix. And uh, what do you know? Uh, they have some big releases coming up on my radar. Uh, we have Pain, The Pain Hustlers later this month. Uh, speaking of David Fincher, he has The Killer in November. Very excited yeah, for that. That's absolutely. Michael Fassbender. Looks very cool. Uh, and in December, we get both the... What I'm calling the pre-controversial maestro uh, that has already no. had a controversy on uh, on Bradley Cooper. Um, if I want to be really conspiratory, conspiratory with that, I think it's uh, for pre-hype for the movie. But uh, oh, okay, yeah. I like that. I like yeah, that you, angle, man. You like that angle? <laughs> Always looking for angles. What's going yeah. on? And, and of course, uh, in December is where we get uh, Zack Snyder's much-anticipated sci-fi epic, Rebel Moon, which uh, we'll see if uh, Snyder can pull it off. Mm-hmm, so. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so why would I want to spend more time with Netflix than I have to? Well, Reptile caught my eye. It's self-described as a neo-noir. It's got Del Toro. Uh, yep. And I think I was willing to give Timberlake a shot. Um, I would, yeah. Yeah, kind of chasing social network vibes with it. Yeah, because we haven't, the past few things that came out with him, we haven't watched too much. Yeah. Because uh, he has been in stuff. He was yeah, in that yeah. one where he plays like a, he plays a Southern guy. I forget even what the premise oh, really? is. Yeah, but that was probably one of his biggest ones. Um, wish I had the name of it. But we've kind of, haven't seen him since the social network, I sure, would say. Sure, sure. And honestly, uh, I think most surprising of all folks is this was immediately getting hate online. And I was kind of morbidly excited to check out why. Uh, was this why this was on your radar, Tom? Or? No, this was because I kind of just You read, wanted to watch I it. read a little bit about it, and I was yeah. just like, this might work. And you give me a thriller in Benicio Del Toro. Sure. And I'm there for at least something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, Palmer was the film, where he Palmer. plays like a dad or something oh. like that. Okay, apparently yeah, wasn't on anybody's radar too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not to give away the goat, but Timberlake wasn't great on this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I was I was kind of rooting for him. Yeah. Uh, so much so that, like, uh, I put, um, what's that one where it's it, it's time? He's got, like, the time on his, I think it's Justin Time or something you like that. You talking about Justin Timberlake that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in a sci-fi movie mid 2010s or some oh really some shit like that yeah it landed on we're my not list. up on our Timberlake yeah, are we <laughs> no definitely not he was great in that music video with Chris Stapleton <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is the directorial debut for Grant Singer um, a seasoned music video director with some 
honestly, some seriously iconic work uh, working with The Weeknd uh, under his belt. Okay. Uh, he did like the Hills music video and whatnot, which um, uh, I feel like uh, is, is a little bit of a standout in the music video space. Visually, I think this is slick enough to earn its neo-noir stamp, um, but I found Grant to be lacking in almost every other department. <laughs> um <laughs> That's why I was shocked that you you were excited to see this. It was like, oh boy, you had to put old Tommy down. <laughs> there is a resounding blahness to this film, oh, okay. uh, to experiencing the film. And unfortunately, I found myself really agreeing with the pack on this one uh, for all the hate that it was getting. Um, if anything, I was going in kind of glass half full on this. Just, you know, I was morbidly curious why it was just immediately bashed yeah. for, you know, what looked to be a cool kind of, you know, crime thriller. But yeah, it's it's not there for this one. Reptile introduces us to a rocky relationship with Justin Timberlake and soon to be murdered girlfriend. Uh, this suddenly this sudden reveal gives us little to go on, but sparks our mystery as our perspective shifts to Belnicio del Toro as the lead detective in this crime plot line. The tone of the investigation is taken seriously, but uh, oftentimes we're slipping into a very realistic day-in-the-life type of mm. police procedural. We get to know the whole police department, we get to know the wives, the families, uh, of course, intimately know the crime and how it kind of unfolds. And because of that and that pacing, it kind of robs the gravity of the crime. I tried as hard as I could not to reference uh, hmm. prisoners at all in this review, but this was no prisoners. Okay, you know all what right. I mean? It needed the severity, it needed the intensity, and I feel like it's a, um, it's a, it's a byproduct of just kind of like we're it kind of playing out every day with the police department on hmm. this crime, okay. which is interesting, but not is great. Is that what you were going for? Yeah. It sounds like it's kind of paced real slow when you're really looking for that crime thriller. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Del Toro is constantly on the prowl, though. It's not that he gets distracted entirely from the crime. I feel like the punch is just weakened, and by being on the prowl, uh, he really is a, a nosy fella, to, to quote Chinatown, and everyone knows what happens to those types. <laughs> Performance-wise, I don't really have any major complaints or praise. I feel like Del Toro is exactly Exactly what I wanted him to be here. Okay. You know, he's cool, he's observant, uh, but most importantly, he's principled enough for this noir uh, side of the story. It's not just a crime thriller. I feel like it is a noir because it's very directly on Del Toro mm. and trying to test his limits. I feel like that is what makes it the noir. Uh, JT, though, man, Justin Timberlake <laughs> is just not good in this. Uh, <laughs> To be fair, I don't think this was like a good character for him. It was just kind of like a. You know, is he? He's like the partner or side cop? No, he's, no, he's he's, he's the, uh, the 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 main suspect in the murder of okay. of, of his of his uh, girlfriend. So, you know, uh, we don't really get anything menacing out of him. Uh, if anything, because there are many red herrings in this. You know, he's not one way or the other, good or bad. Right. Uh, and I just feel like, why why choose JT for this? I, I feel like uh, you need him in this charismatic role. And the character was just not meant to be that. Okay, so the big question is, who can you picture? For the role this is, who can no. maybe you picture? You didn't give it any thought? I mean, anyone. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was, it, it's, it's, I think it's more an observation of just like, I, they didn't need to be a main big star, you know? 
because the focus uh, is just so on Del Toro. Okay, um, so that's like Ryan Gosling is too big for this. No, no, he's just another suspect uh, among oh, okay, many suspects. All right. So, all right, so they did a music video in the past, so they know each other in the industry. <laughs> that's probably what it is. Yeah, that probably is. What all right, it is. okay, okay, so, all right. But yeah, I, I'm not. Those are minor picks. Just I just think it's a miscast. Not really, you know. Okay. Uh, not really great. It is a long movie. It's two hours and fourteen minutes. Mm. It, fe- it feels like a long movie. Another another uh, tempting critique to try to avoid of uh, <laughs> trim the fat on this one. So uh, I would say the big issues with the films that are many scenes have seemingly no purpose. Many times they pop up to create kind of a cynical tone or a sly joke, but. All of these moments fall short. Um, there are also these moments that were introduced to the other cops, and it pulls focus too often. Certainly these moments give the story personality, but I hate to say, I don't think a, a single one really worked for me. Not charming, funny, badass, or otherwise. Okay. Um, they feel very awkward. Uh, the movie also fall, fails in its attempt at rule of cool. You look at Del Toro, and he's got a mustache, he's got a leather jacket. I mean, He's got an earring. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure about the earring work for him. I, I, I don't know. I think it was a good <laughs> vibe. It. Yeah, I was thinking the earring. <laughs> but, you know, I, I feel like it was almost like, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a cool movie. Right. It fails a little bit in because that pacing is just too slow and it, it gets distracted. It's, uh, it's, it's side tangents in this movie and that 100% plays into the runtime. Um, I was really hoping for like a Sicario vibe out of this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and maybe... Well, no, it's not like Sicario. <laughs> okay. I wish it was brutal like Sicario. I wish it was brutal like Prisoners, but no. No. I guess the, the through line is Denny. Denny. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted want to, to direct everything. Um, the case unfolds day by day, like I said, so we have a lot of time to unpack the lives of everyone's involved. Uh, but there will be these weird breaks in tension that... There's just so much time hanging around and almost like the film has nothing else to do. This is absolutely at its worst in mindless chatter around the case, tying back to these pointless scenes that I mentioned, uh, betting on who the killer is around the office, idle gossip between the wives running around the group. Uh, you'd think that these scenes are maybe designed to show a kind of cynicalness of the crime itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been there, done that, another, you know, another one. I, I don't see the point in any of these scenes. They're not really funny. They don't build any kind of tension. It just feels a, like really wasted time yeah. on it. It's so. like the director is really trying to do that the day in the life of yeah. a cop or the cop's family kind yeah. of deal. Absolutely. family. Which um, it, it does, but... Uh, yeah, but when you're in a thriller, you want to move. Exactly. You want to move with your detective it's and basically kind of stay cost. sharp. Yeah, it's yeah. at the cost of that lethality mm-hmm. to the to the crime itself, which, uh, you know, I, that, that that needs to be on the pedestal. Right. That, that's, that's, that's the most of all. Reptile is nowhere as bad as this movie I'll compare it to, folks, but it really does remind me a bit of 2021's The Little Things hmm. um, with Denzel, and it was an Apple release, I believe. I, I feel like that feeling comes to me because both have such potential in their plot, in their cast, and while it kind of gets there by the end, the ride is just so lackluster, I can't really find myself you know, really shining to recommend this. Okay. I think the final chapter of this film is great, honestly. Uh, the, the, the final act really does get there. Um, but little is gained from how much intimacy we have with these characters. The twist was, was, was awesome. Uh, I like where the story goes. If anything, it, it amplified my questions of why were we spending all this time? Yeah, yeah. It, why? 
So, uh, you know, folks, it, it, like I said, I've been trying to stay away from it. It's been a while since I really have leveled this critique, but this is some serious fat to trim on this one. Maybe that's why you, you see this on Netflix to begin with, and maybe that's why uh, Netflix is notorious for pumping out some fodder. We're going to go ahead and give Reptile a 49. Okay, 49. Wow, just a tick below, huh? Just a tick below. <laughs> yep, okay, well, it sounds like this movie isn't for very many people then. I think it... Uh, I mean, who's, what itch is just scratching more with, with, so, without muddying the waters? More so just so inoffensive, so bland that you could probably put it on for any one you know God, it really uh, but it does nothing well okay so once again we have a net netflix film like you said that mm. is just netflix fodder exactly. it just fits perfectly in there exactly you can go this route if you want something more easygoing base but kind of like that you go go put red notice on <laughs> it's, you're it, always it, grinding it, the ads <laughs> for, for red notice this is what they do uh okay 49 percent for reptile we'll keep things moving here so we have again newly released. This is Blue Giant, and this is an anime release. Mm. It was only in theaters. I think Vin, you said for two days. Two so days. Do some homework for us. Sure. And just like how did this come about? Why this anime? Uh, you bringing it up to us, and how'd you like it? Also, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, well, Tom, let me start by saying, uh, let me let me ask you, how yeah. many times have I mentioned I was looking for a good anime release? Yeah. Okay. Since, good anime gateway drug. Since Kimmy, since you were let down from oh, Kimmy. Oh, uh, Kimmy. Uh, was it Kimmy? It was, I'll tell you what, here's what it was. It was every right. time I mentioned it anime. <laughs> you're right. It wasn't Kimmy, you're right. It, what this was, it was one of the first episodes that we kind of did, uh, early Bell. days. Bell, Yes. Yes. And it came to American theaters. Yep. It was and, a big release. Yeah, because the whole idea was there was this, there was this drummings of could good Japanese anime make it into full throttle, full release, mm, yes. major release, you know, 3,000 yep. plus theaters yep, in America. Yep. That tanked. And they're terrible. And it was just a bad movie right. as well. So. Uh, I don't know. If, as far as new animes, we might have had one or two decent ones, okay mm. ones. Of course, we had a new... Um, it was Suzume. Oh, that's right. We had Suzume. That was this year. And uh, Broly, Super Super Broly. We oh, had. Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which was definitely fun. That was that was a great theater experience. That was really good. So that's when the wrong movie played in the beginning, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, it was, uh, that was... That was awesome. That was so good. Okay. But the answer is, I think even before the podcast we oh, have been waiting yeah. for a great true good anime exactly so bring us up to speed on this one did this have the hype for it or you knew like uh, it, it kind of question mark walking in I, I was aware of it I didn't I wasn't aware of the release and kind of scrambled to get to one of the two uh, the, the two releases or the two days of the releases um, for this year we've already had a, a great release with Suzume but even with the prestige of Makoto Shinkai's style I still Still wanted something more out of, uh, again, a gateway drug. Something that is just anime enough. Yeah. That's not going to be off-putting uh, and can land with audiences, but still is anime enough yeah. that gives us that uh, that that love of, of For me. kind of a mind. Does, yeah. <laughs> does it pass the Tom test? I love That's that. A- That's great. <laughs> well, you're adventurous. You, you've seen Paprika. You've seen some adventurous stuff. Barely bad. Paprika, yeah. you know, Bacchano was right oh, up my alley. Oh, wow. Call back. <laughs> But I don't even know if anime fans know Bakano anymore. <laughs> but it's 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 true. I am very difficult with anime. Yeah. I tried to get into it at one point. Yeah. And I ended up just kept on falling asleep. Because it just... <laughs> no, was, it's a big problem <laughs> with you. Let me tell you that. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of movement on screen. Yeah. And I just can't get engaged with these characters unless it's, it's very... It's the talking heads. Specific. The, yeah. Right. Because Trigun should be some of my favorites. Yeah, sure, sure. Anyway... <laughs> 
The point, well, the point is, you're looking for that thing that could get me, though. Uh, yes, yes. Not an uh, anime watcher, but yeah. someone who can actually really get engaged with something that is true anime. Yeah, like a, a almost the impossible balancing act of, you know, being... Tame enough. Tame enough, but also still representing anime. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and let me tell you, finally, finally, Ooh, okay. that itch has been scratched. Okay, all right. Uh, Blue Giant is a fantastic movie, and... With no strings to any series uh, homework that you would have to watch beforehand is a fabulous film for anyone to jump into. Wow, okay. The only thing that is a knock against it is honestly this release window. Uh, It's already done. Uh, October 8th and 9th was uh, the only days that it was in theater. So, or at least in in the States. So when it comes down to it, unfortunately, we are going to have to wait a little bit, but it is worth the wait, folks. Okay. Our director here is a huge favorite of mine, um, Yuzuru uh, Tachikawa. See, I I messed it up. Tachikawa. 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 An absolute powerhouse director for some time now. I would say most notably his 2013 short film, Death Billiards, snapped my attention to his career. And quickly he grew working with one of the biggest manga authors, uh, One, that's his name, it's just One, uh, on the phenomenal series Mob Psycho 100. Um, These two titles are without a doubt a blanket recommendation for me, folks. Uh, And I'm happy to add this film to that list. Okay, all right. Uh, Tachikawa is a fantastic director, and I can only hope he does more features like this. Uh, Blue Giant focuses on three characters uh, drawn together in a moment of friendship to do one thing, play jazz music together. Our our main focus is on Dai, a recent uh, graduate that is a saxophone player, and probably in the most Japanese way possible, the second time I've said that this (laughs) this episode, uh, he wants to become the best jazz player in the world. That focus and drive is infectious as his two other bandmates are inspired to match his effort and relish in knowing that these moments playing together won't last forever. In a lot of ways, this film has the appeal of Whiplash or La La Land Mm -hmm. in that it's a story directly about jazz. All of these stories touch on how jazz is a almost perpetually dying art and that something that that it's something that has to be experienced to be fully understood. You have to experience it firsthand. You have to experience it live. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to say Blue Giant is in that small little nebula of movies that do that topic of jazz justice. I mean, it's, you know, it's a very small it topic. Is. I but... really like the compilation, actually. You right. should put that on the site. Yeah, yeah. Because some of these films are so good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially Whiplash and La La Land. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I would call this story a Kaizen story, which in essence is just striving to get better every day. Day by day, trying to get better with yourself, putting yourself towards a focus. Uh, This type of character arc is present in a lot of Japanese anime. Uh, And in lesser hands, could be annoying in its portrayal, but Tanchikawa has already refined this formula in his previous works. And part of why I feel so strongly about this being a great gateway drug is because it shows that kind of anime stereotypical blazing determination Mm -hmm. to conquer the world or, or, or by any means. In characters of that medium, of this medium, uh, that can be good or bad. Sometimes that itself can be kind of an off-putting character depiction or character arc when you're watching lesser animes. Uh, While here, it's still pairing it with a realistic drama, still pairing it to musicians playing jazz, and I feel like that match is uh, palatable 
for anyone yeah, to watch. Yeah, it seems really grounded in reality, mm-hmm. it, even though it's an animation, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah, very grounded. Absolutely. And even something that, like, you know, we, we talked about in the Shinkai episode, uh, you know, how these are almost like family-friendly safe movies. Yeah. Uh, I feel there's there's a similar line here. I wouldn't call it family friendly in the sense that I mean, what kid's gonna understand jazz? Or, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it it is more of a mature type of topic that they're concerned with, uh, and where the story goes certainly as a drama, but just has enough of that animeness uh, that uh, still gives you a good taste of it, and that's that's where I'm getting yeah, at with little this gateway little drug. teaspoons, little teaspoons. Exactly. Like it's not like he blows into the saxophone, a monster comes out, then right. every instrument has a monster. <laughs> yes, he's not summoning then, ghosts right. with a. With a saxophone or anything. I would love that. That sounds awesome. I mean, it really sounds like a normal movie just told through an animation style. Yeah, this. I I mean, probably the best way to go about it, especially with how much the story is about driven focus, is it is like anime whiplash. Yeah, I mean, that sounds... That's very cool. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised even to hear that a little bit. One thing is, it's still two hours. So Mm -hmm. it is a two-hour animated movie Mm -hmm. that is good for adults. It just, it seems... It seems like a long time mm. to, to have that palatable. For you, that's no problem. Sure. Uh, I, think, I think what really clips along is that once we're in the music performances, you're basically just watching the, the music unfold, the, yeah. the performance unfold, which I feel like, I mean, if you're really not into jazz in any, any regard, right. those are going to be pulling teeth. I think otherwise than that, those help the pacing really clip along. Okay, quite a bit. all right. Uh, especially when it's sandwiched between these kind of uh, this this melodrama a little bit between the group. Uh, now there is one kind of iffy spot here, and it's in some spotty CGI used in the music performances to get a higher frame rate to the animation. But I'm going to be honest; I don't think it looks terrible. But it may be jarring for someone to jump into. The reason why they did it is there seems to be a semi-rotoscoping of real musicians on mm. stage. So they needed to kind of match this a little bit rough-looking CGI yeah, to it yeah. to basically match the real-life musicians that they're animating over. So, Which kind of cool, but does it take you out of it? Does it seem like a whole different kind of thing going on I feel visually like, on screen? You know? Yes. I, I feel like in a moment you see it, uh, it takes you out of it. Until you see a full music performance go through, and I'll touch on why okay, that is. Right. That is really the 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 reason to see this film. And folks, I mean, it is it is so made up for. It is like like three times over. It pays off to 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 watch these music performances unfold. This is one a phenomenal. 10 out of 10 soundtrack from a real jazz composer named Hiromi. But central to any jazz piece are the solo. The solo Mm -hmm. of someone popping off on stage and going into their own own little uh, iteration of the song. The dramatic flourish that is given to the animation is breathtaking. Many scenes will add simulated lens flares to the brass of the instruments and become these like solar flare streaks flooding the room it's seriously like brass plasma it was amazing <laughs> it was amazing colors will start to bleed as if the sweat of the performance is morphing the screen itself and it might be hard to believe but the quality of the animation in these moments are on par with even the flashiest of anime action you can imagine oh that's very cool in, like 
you want to talk about Dragon Ball Z? This right. is like them going jazz Super Saiyan. That's that's. that's I love that's, that. I love that. That's the best way I can describe it. And it's it. cool because it, yeah, I, this is something I can really enjoy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, folks, I'm not messing around though. I mean, when I say the jazz is the action sequence, the jazz it, it, is what we want the payoff to be, and not only that, the story is so directly about jazz. Yeah. I'm not messing around. The jazz is the action. <laughs> I love it. You, I think that's you, awesome. It's, it's, it's a jazz action film. <laughs> jazz action. Yeah. yeah. But it's really, it, it really, is, it pays off in such a way, and it pays off in such a visually profound way. Uh, I would put this alongside the animation greats this year, like Spider-Verse. When I say that, that this iffy CGI that we see every now and again, it really, it, it, it's it's just made up for in spades. It, it just, it's, it's so, on so many levels, fold after fold after fold, the film surprises you with how most electric moments on stage that we're hearing, that we're seeing, are driven to the stratosphere with what is done to okay, stylistically yeah. show how uh, intense this jazz is, and it, I'm telling you, it's 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 a must watch. It's so good. Okay, well, um, this is big talk. This is big talk. I, I'm not gonna call. Um, you know, I, I don't want to call it early, but this has some potential to do very well at the Tom Daly's this year, folks. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> um, and a wide range of categories too, because uh, like I said, just on a music wow. level, really, I've been listening to the soundtrack very- all week. Okay. I reference a lot of different works in this review, and while there are many through lines in those comparisons, I think the one that should stick out the most is quality. Whiplash, La La Land, Mob Psycho, Death Billiards. You know, these are quality, quality projects that would be worth your time, even if stylistically you may not love them. Uh, the talent around this project is top-notch, and the result is an anime release that deserves to be included in the best films of 2023. Wow. We're going to go ahead and give Blue Giant an 82. Wow. Vin, well, a, a, a you were giddy well, about this film. I, I'm excited about love, it for you. Yeah, you <laughs> I drove an hour to see this to the ghost town. <laughs> but no, it, it it really was phenomenal. Wow, um, 82 is a big anime score. Yeah, and, and and I think I'm just so in love with it because it's one of those great anime features that just has no ties to a series. There's no homework you gotta do. That that's so huge. Yeah. So many of these animes that even people say are great. You you're three movies in, mm. or you're based off the show or, or the hundred episodes from it. Or, yeah, right. yeah exactly. exactly and it's just too much to ask from something I mean if you really like it that's one thing but uh, as far as a recommendation this when you is just want to watch a movie standalone. like I do yeah th- mm-hmm. that excites me and very much like you said if we're talking about a whiplash and you yeah. know very much how much I love that I love yeah. that movie yeah you don't need to be any kind of fan of jazz to enjoy that sure, film. You don't need sure. to be any kind of fan of anime to enjoy this film yeah. or jazz, probably. I think that I think that's really cool. Uniquely, I have to see it now because you're you're quite giddy about these action scenes. Oh, action, yeah, jazz action! Because it's not just I'm picturing like the magic school bus. It's like, okay, a rainbow comes out. You know, all right, all right. But rainbow comes out. But if it's uh, that visually awesome and you need anime to tell that tale, kind uh, of, yeah. Awesome. So kind of now we all just have to wait. You gave it an eighty-two. Now we all wait till yeah. hopefully it comes on a streaming. Yeah, who knows? Or I know it's 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 being um, distributed by G Kids, uh, who 
they do a lot of stuff. But um, hopefully, bottom line, it, it'll come to a digital release sooner rather than later. Because okay. this was definitely worth your time. Or maybe even to rent it on Amazon or something sure, like right, that. Right, right. Some sort of uh, you know non-theater release. Okay. Folks, big surprise, 82 for Blue Giant. Don't sleep on it. And it sounds like we'll be talking about it later in the year anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we won't let you forget about it. Let's keep it going now. Let's jump into kind of full or major releases in theaters. Yeah. Uh, ones that are being talked about a little bit more. We're going to jump right away to... To rated R hour and 45 minute. This is Dumb Money. Uh, let's get into it a little bit. This is Paul Dano and uh, the funny guy, Pete Davidson. How was <laughs> so it? funny. <laughs> how was it, Vin? And how did you like it? Well, folks, it's here. I mean, this is quite possibly the most sexy finance a film could get. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I think one that is worth the dramatization. Um, despite the story of Wall Street Bets being only three years old, there are many, many wrinkles to the true story. Don't get it twisted, though. The coming flood of brand movies off of Barbie's back um, might seem like they're part of our beloved subgenre of sexy finance, mm-hmm. but the distinction is they have to clearly be about money directly. That is a sexy finance film. So <laughs> it's just funny because over the I just watched Big Short one and a half times. Oh, really? Oh, I had it downloaded, and it was just like so. so this That's is so funny. Right in tune with this. I didn't Absolutely. really know anything about this film. I know really? it's got a major release. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But don't really know anything about the film. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Honestly, out of all econ-based stories, this is a triple threat right here. Uh, First, the financial angle is complex, utilizing many market tools and trading technicalities to show how Wall Street is threatened by Mm -hmm. this movement. Second, the drama between hedge funds and Reddit is a conflict so perfect you couldn't dream it up both pre and post writer strike. I mean, this is this mm. is a movie conflict made for you know in real life. And finally, it's a story that's worth telling coming out of, of course, the historical landmark year of 2020 and one of the biggest features to take a nonfiction angle on that year. I don't feel like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't feel like any movie has really tried to tackle COVID in any kind of approach like No, this. not yet. It might be in things yeah. a little bit or part of like a modern movie. Like a background a, element. Or, right, exactly. Yeah. But no, it hasn't taken it on like that. Yeah, no. so this being kind of a nonfiction biopic kind of vibe to it, I mean, it's definitely still, you know, it's called Dumb Money. It's still trying to be kind of a dumb comedy in ways, but yeah. is trying to really uh, do justice for this. Hmm. Um, our director, Craig Gillespie, uh, is a throwback to our very first episode uh, with him helming Cruella. Uh, Wasn't a huge fan of it, but hey, what can you do? (laughs) In between these features, he's been primarily working in TV, uh, most notably with the viral hit Pam and Tommy. Mm. And going after such a viral story here seems like a perfect match, honestly. In Dumb Money, we follow many characters in a big ensemble cast as the many shareholders of the underdog stock GameStop. The interest in this stock is being driven by Keith Gill, Played by Paul Dano, uh, you know, a, a welcome sight uh, after seeing him as the Riddler in the Batman. Yeah, definitely. We're Dano fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A financial streamer, Gil is, uh, with a cult following that wins big betting on the little guy. Uh, this rising popularity attracts the wrong attention from elites in Wall Street who at this point have been successfully short selling the stock. This kicks off the rivalry uh, that was made for the big screen, the haves versus the have-nots in the unprecedented climb of a stock everyone overlooked and was rooting to fail. Uh, 
I would say the biggest success uh, this film achieves is in its authenticity of its online depiction, or at least in a way that it didn't make me cringe. It didn't. It didn't like. That's good. Know, that trying to you know this this you know. It, it kind of. However old the director is, you know, he's trying to you know have internet slang and whatnot. Right. You know, <laughs> it, it achieved an authenticity there. That's good. I feel like it would be difficult. I don't know. I'm surprised so soon that this film is coming out mm, because sure. I. Just talking about distance. it, I, I bet people remember it, the whole GameStop thing, what sure. happened. But it was like a weeks-long thing, and then it kind of came and went, and that's sure. it. I don't even know if it was movie-worthy, and to have it so soon, it's been, what, two and a half years, three years? Yeah. Um, it's fast to have this film. Sure, sure. But, you know, they're, they're doing it in a slicker, sly way, something that can do it tastefully or bring you information that's not eye-rolly. Mm. All, I mean, all props. I, I wouldn't say it's tasteful because okay. the, you got to understand the characters are involved are redditors. You know, yeah. these are these are online personalities. So there is a almost intentional trashiness to some of that, but it's also true to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and while I'm not in a schoolroom or a, or kind of a lecture scenario, I would imagine from a finance perspective, Wall Street bets is going to be studied mm-hmm. moving forward okay. as, a, as an uh, economic story. This was the most important aspect, though, uh, this authenticity, this online authenticity for getting this film correct. Because the while the Reddit culture, like I said, not really tasteful, it's true to the screw the 1% type of mindset that fueled this opposition. Also, out of this storm of events that happened during COVID, this has to be one of the more interesting and dynamic It allows for background elements to tell an authentic story as well. Characters are nurses, Grubhub drivers, constantly TikTok and face masks are brought up. Uh, You know, memes like diamond hands and stonks. You know, these are things that very much happened in the moment. Mm -hmm. And having to tell them with a straight face or at least some authenticity is important to sell the entire idea of the story. And all of these elements are able to shine as little pieces in the story without outstaying their welcome. The areas I have beef with the film is all in presentation, and honestly, a, a flashback to that Corella review, believe it or not. Um, this has total Forrest Gump syndrome uh, in oh. how the music is done. Any, any chance uh, you get. Yeah, any chance. <laughs> you know, throwing out every pop song during the time possible. Uh, I just, you know... Eh. I just I just don't think that's the way to do the soundtrack. And, and and TikTok and social media content is displayed very boringly in kind of a edited montage with plenty of black spaces on screen, which I feel continues to be a challenge for filmmakers stumbling when preve- presenting vertical footage. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about it in a while. It's honestly kind of leveled out, but presenting texting on screen was something that I was uh, very interested in earlier episodes in the podcast, and I feel like a similar evolution needs to happen with vertical footage and how it's presented on screen, and uh, it's definitely not something like uh, Missing, like we covered earlier mm, this yeah, year yeah, or yeah. something like That's that. That's a great point. It, missing, that was, at least they did interesting things. Sure. got to keep that going. It's funny you bring up the texting thing that's so relatable where... There's that thing where everyone was trying to have their own style of showing mm. texting on screen. I think people loved it with uh, House of Cards really did a good yes. thing. And then people just ran with that for about a year and a Absolutely. half or two years. Some people don't and, do it, right. surprisingly, <laughs> which uh, I don't understand. But that's an excellent point to make where that matters. It's on the back of your mind if you're sitting there watching the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I'm not saying that it's uh, more than a, a nitpick because it is just showing the real you know, social media type of content. Uh, but I feel like, it, for me, I see it as a struggle for 
a lot of filmmakers. Uh, and uh, the the tricks, the editing tricks, the montage that is done is mm-hmm. all very plain, very uh, inspirationless. Okay. So um, definitely looking for a trendsetter here. But above all that, folks, I really did like this movie because this has a focus on real market data. And the crucial players uh, that are required for telling the story, like the company Robinhood. You know, I walked away with appreciating the effort they put into the true story of this economic market sexy finance story. Yeah. You know, the fact that GameStop's performance during this time mimics and also resembles a typical three-act story structure is almost unbelievable. That's what I'm saying. Like, writers couldn't dream this up. This was real. It it, it literally looks like a three-act structure when you look at the GameStop (laughs) performance. So, you know, you you look at other films in the subgenre like 2018's, uh, no, I'm sorry, 2015's The Big Short Mm -hmm. that you're well familiar with. Yeah. (laughs) And they have to bring in Margot Robbie naked in a bathtub to deliver its financial storytelling. Yeah, yeah. In this film, that's not even a concern because of how the dramatic events unfold and realistically unfolded in in, in the real world. Uh, and personally, I think that is the fine line that grants this story its right to be told and its right to be in a sexy finance genre. We're going to go ahead and give Dumb Money a 74. Okay, wow. Okay. Good week. Good 74, week. I'm just shocked by this. It really was not on my radar at all. I barely knew anything about it. And I just think it's very difficult to take finance with that and try to put it in bite-sized, bite-sized pieces that people can really take it, understand it, and mm. then move on with the film. Sure. I kind of like what Adam McKay did. I don't know. I will say, seeing it almost 10 years later now, it's okay. not as cool or not it as... It doesn't a, have the wow factor. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel about those movies, too. And... But at the time, I remember watching it for the first time, too, when I saw it in theaters, it really did make it bite-sized. Even mm. though there's still a little bit of confusion, it moves quick, and you're talking a lot of numbers, a lot mm-hmm. of things, a lot of different terms. I like that. And if these guys are doing it where out of nowhere, mm. and it's kind of impressive when you're talking about big things or terms that most people don't know. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I love that. I really like sexy finance, and when it's broken down well, <laughs> right, right. it's cool. Something I like podcast it. favorite. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> and 74%, it's, it's a pretty good movie. Man. Absolutely. And, and and I really just would stress that, uh, uh, if anything, going off of your point, that it feels maybe a little bit too soon to have this, I, that uh, the dust is settling, if you will. Yeah. I do feel like it, it is a story that was made for Hollywood. Writers really? could not even dream this up. How the role that Robin Hood had to play, how it's a uh how it's like an us versus them type of story. Yeah. There's like clear sides wow, really to it. I feel like that where this that's where this earns its right to be told uh, so soon. Wow. Okay, so folks again, kind of don't sleep on that. That's dumb money because I I was just not interested too much sure, in the sure. story, but that's excellent to hear. 74%. Very good, Vin. All right. Yeah, let's go uh, well, well, you know, let's yeah. keep it going. <laughs> uh, this movie now, I, I also did have some interest in this one because uh, my boy, our boy, isn't it? John David Washington. Oh, yeah, who yeah. Who I would peg, I would love to see as next Bond. Probably not oh, going to be. Oh, wow. Because he, well, after Tenet. Sure, The first sure. half of Tenet is just Bond. It's, it's yeah, just, it's very true. Anyway, very true, yeah. this is The Creator. This is in theaters now. Two hours and 13 minutes. It's rated PG-13. Let's get into it a little bit. And uh, how was Denzel Washington's son? <laughs> Denzel's son, huh? he will be forever be cursed yeah. <laughs> uh, for that label. Well, him um, and Colin Hanks can do a movie together. Right, right. Well, folks, it's been a hearty seven-year gap for our director, Gareth Edwards. His two biggest films being 2014 Godzilla reboot, which kicked off the MonsterVerse, which mm-hmm. we're still seeing the ripple effect in. 
and hitting even bigger with undoubtedly the most coherent of the Star Wars sequels, 2016's Rogue One. Yeah. That's what drew me the most to this film. It was him mm. and Washington. Sure, it's also p- plastered over all of the posters. The director of Rogue One. Yeah, I know. know. It's like, it's <laughs> like it as does... big as some of the objects <laughs> in the poster. Because for you and me, and also I think as years go by, people are recognizing that Rogue One is the best of the new Star Wars movies. Sure, sure. There's been a little bit back and forth with fans, which yeah. I'm surprised at. But yeah, I'm, I'm still with it. Yeah. So he, this guy's got chops, for yes. sure. yeah. And he's proving himself to be a decent sci-fi director through this, and I think that's tied to his origins as a VFX artist. You know, um, you might have heard by now, but this is a damn good-looking film. Uh, And Edward's ability to translate his vision on screen is an advantage that pays off here. And I feel it's an advantage that not many new upcoming directors are going to have unless they have some sort of VFX background. His writing credits... You know, not so much, however, here. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think this film is tarnished a bit in its um, in its writing department, uh, being breathtaking stylistically, but uh, a little shallow in its substance. Okay. The talent of this production team strengthens this style even more. Returning to work with Edwards is the amazing cinematographer, Greg Fra- uh, Frazier, who uh, shot the powerhouse visuals of Dune and the Batman most recently. Also cinematographer on Dune 2 and the Batman 2. Yeah, those so, are um, beautiful. Very absolutely. well shot. Very well shot. Absolutely. Did the cinematography for Rogue One. And uh, again, I mean, just just gorgeous shots. I, I always think of the, the shot where the test Death Star goes off and it's like this like yeah. lined astrological look to it with the, the, the planet destroyed. Just really top-notch stuff. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, he's got the same writing team as Rogue One too. Mm. Not that Rogue One was like, you know, wow, the script on this. But it did its job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where the writing comes into play is I just feel like, I don't want to say it's it's a bad juggling act Mm -hmm. because I feel like Edwards is fully capable of helming and being almost in every part of his own sci-fi IP. Right. Just for me, though, I just feel like the writing, it needed to be tossed to someone else um, to, to sharpen it up in some way. But maybe that's not how you get your movie made in 2023, you know, that's not attached which, to a brand or a franchise. Which, respectable, kind of. Like, yeah, I, absolutely. I like if that's going to be a thing going forward, we love writers and directors. Absolutely. Uh, we just don't see it always successful, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And where would we be without good old Hans Zimmer? Interesting enough, uh, because of the story is about AI, Edwards actually explored using AI music to tie to his story, but did end up going with Zimmer. Good. Um, uh, yeah, good I was going to kind of ask, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I don't, don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not impressed with it, but yet. Yeah, right, right. I, I guess I would just be curious stylistically what an AI soundtrack entirely would sound like. I, I would probably sound <laughs> unimpressive. It would match. Sure. And be extre- acceptable, but. Right, acceptable and, and completely lackluster. Yeah. Getting by, because it's right now, it's just, it's not at the point where it, it can't be great. Sure. Because it just has to generalize everything. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And you would just get one very generic sounding soundtrack, probably. Yeah, I think so. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be exciting. I, I wish it would be exciting, but yeah. I, I just, I found that an interesting fact that he was so attached to this kind of AI plot that he was exploring a lot of options with that, which mm. I, I think is awesome. Um, you know, that, that, that shows a lot of creative passion in this project. The creator focuses on John David Washington playing an undercover special operative ordered to find a new weapon among the population of artificial intelligence. 
This sci-fi has an alternate history premise that allows AI cybernetics to skyrocket in development until it reaches a point that needs to be forcefully stopped. Uh, That point is a nuclear detonation in Los Angeles, seemingly as an act of rebellion by the AI and surging into a war-on-terror-like crusade to eliminate the technology. The twist is that this new weapon is a robotic child and seemingly harmless altogether. And that's kind of where we're, where we're kicking things off for it. Folks, it's the return of Hollywood's new favorite story arc, Man with Child Adventure. <laughs> it is. You're so right. That's the with- new bingo card. <laughs> it's all Man with Child Adventure. And not doing it great. Yeah. Not doing it great. 42? Not 42. What am I uh, thinking? 65? <laughs> oh, I got the list here. Okay. I got the list here. You know what I mean? It is Last of Us. It yeah. is Logan. Yeah. 65, Mandalorian, and apparently even the new Walking Dead show is doing the, the gimmick of really? kid. Yeah. Can I put another one on there? Sure. Adam Project. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank you. Man with Child Thank Adventure, you. our favorite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the list goes on. Of course, you can even go back to like, uh, no. Okay. Okay. But the list goes on. Yeah. The list goes on. <laughs> Despite a bold new sci-fi vision from Edwards, this is where the writing was under-delivering in its, in, in its grandeur. You know, I mean, this is a, a, a really big project for mm-hmm. him that he's helming all the way. And to have background elements of the plot have more thought put in them to the main storyline itself was disappointing. Um, mm. And I feel like that's where a lot of the critical reception is skewering this film, uh, despite its uh, gorgeous visuals and um, kind of a, a astonishing sci-fi that it's putting out there. <sighs> okay. It's, it's such a shame. Now, because I'll make one more point on man and boy or whatever. Yeah. It, it, it does... <laughs> Those could be great films. Yep. Those could be really great films. And if it's being done a bunch, it's okay if we have some nuggets in there. Sure, sure. But I don't feel like this is this genre has not been hitting a, a yeah. it's I think it's diminishing returns. You think, uh, yeah. I feel like uh, people are getting sick of it a little bit. I wonder what we could go back and see what was kind of last great one, you know? I mean, maybe, well, I mean, I think TV-wise would probably be Last of Us TV, but... Yeah, that, um, people love that. People do love that. Uh, but, uh, but Logan was great. Oh, Logan, what? that's right. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, but either way, though, I think it, it's it's losing its luster. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, you know, this this also attempts a critique of the war front, uh, and is a really a perfect example of this. You know, there's attention give, being given to liberties being trampled of these robots, but then characters are heavy-handed in exposition that um, leaves the dialogue shallow and even a bit dull at times. And I'm sad to say that this is yet another performance by Denzel's son that seems like he's not trying in the performance. We brought this up in last year's critique with Amsterdam. And Amsterdam, Ah, I mean, that was a... That's right. That was a wild card. Yes, yeah, uh, so David many O. Russell things, too. Yeah, was directing. Uh, uh, it was even ruined for it, but it's 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 a it's a messy, messy movie. And uh, does he I, seem I don't too know. chill? Is like he's uh, just yeah, way I, too relaxed. I think it's too relaxed. It's uh, wow. I don't know. I, you know, I look at uh, Black Black Klansman. I look at Tenet. I'm like, I'm excited for Washington and what yeah. he can do. Lately, though, I'm not. I'm not. About okay. It. All right. Yeah, I feel like it's just he's not trying. That's so. weird. Is he too cool? Yeah, or, maybe. Is it just, <laughs> or he's just straight up maybe not trying. The excuse of rule of cool. Because I, I want him to succeed. Yeah, I, 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 I loved you. him in Tenant so, yes. so much. I want Absolutely. Him, like, I would be, 
He's the only person alive right now where I'm just like, please make him Bond. That's I would great. Love I, to and see coming him from you, Bond. I mean, that's that's big. That's yeah. big. I mean, <laughs> for probably every Bond fan has their own, uh, you know, yeah. their own shortlist. But very opinionated group. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm right there with you, yeah. and I, I that's why there is a, a disappointing note to this. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy to say though that the visual design that fills the screen is a feast for the eyes, folks. It really makes up for it. And I'm usually not one to take style over substance entirely, mm-hmm. but I feel like this does some legwork. It does make up in okay. that style. So not generic at all. Not some 65 oh, BS. No. Okay. So much so that this is almost an immediate art book buy for me. Wow, uh, yeah. that cool. Even being kind of middle of the road or, or, or you know, rooting for the movie, um, his visuals, his VFX background is just oh, that good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and the team that he pulls on uh, for this uh, is, is amazing. This is an excellent blend of cyberpunk aesthetics and capturing kind of a growing discipline in art of industrial fiction design. You'll see this with a lot of mechs, just a lot of robotic design. Mm-hmm. Um, also, plenty of inspiration taken from the anime and video game space, which I feel like, again, is just a, a wonderful blend of styles that frankly shocks me that the style alone is not getting the film out there. This is, I believe, very disappointing in the box office. Yeah, it's not doing great. Not a good sign for the newest big sci-fi IP coming out of nowhere and not succeeding, man. Why does that tell Hollywood? Mm -hmm, Definitely. I'm telling you, though, the the visual design is breathtaking. The care that is put into the robotics deeply reminds me of 2009's District 9, where there is a storytelling quality embedded within the ambitious visuals. Uh, There's a storytelling quality to how these robots move and what are combative and what are utility and what are industrial. And I feel like so much there can be told without any words that it's a shame that what words are said in the movie are like really hand-fisted and like bad writing. Blocky, not good. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, I was hoping the rest of the film would reach those heights to support the design even more. But... I, I'm, I'm saying that's not to rob the wonder, wonderful visual work here that pound for pound wipes the floor with much larger budgeted CGI mm-hmm. efforts. I would say pound for pound, this wipes the floor with anything coming out of the superhero space, both Marvel and DC. Yeah. Uh, and at a fraction of the budget. It, see, this is what I want to highlight this because I don't know mm. whether people like sci fi or not. Mm. Sci fi is so in the air and it has been, especially like the past 10 years in Hollywood. Sure. It's so difficult to remain fresh and really cool. It's, mm. it's awesome when a movie comes or even like maybe when we were younger to see visuals on screen that make you wow, yeah. make you gasp and, you know, sure. way more engaged into the picture. We've had such a flooding of futuristic stuff or futuristic dystopian or whatever. Mm. You take everything from the shows of Expanse or mm-hmm. something like that, the reboots of the Star Treks. Yeah. There's so much sci-fi in the air that if something can stick out like this and actually make you, of all yeah. people who are very aware of all the sci-fi going on, yeah, right. <laughs> to actually be impressed is a, is kind of an impressing thing that a film yeah, can do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just even if you want to narrow the focus, pure films like 65 this year, a joke. Yeah. Um, you know what 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 did you hate on 65? Oh, that the freaking, compass? Yeah, yeah. It looks like <laughs> right, he's like unfolding the battleship right. game. Yeah. yeah. The the a a half of a second of the design on screen in the creator outdoes that entire right. movie. Give a design. damn about the ships. Yeah. Make us feel engaged like things are cool or real or have a purpose. Yep. Yep. Um and just man, it's amazing how even all the video games now with the cool design. Sure. But to have something stand out 
yep. is awesome. Yeah. You know, very cool. Absolutely. So I'll admit, and I think it actually probably came off in the review as well. I was a little jaded watching this because I just really couldn't get behind the writing and some of the character work we interact with. Again, the story in the background, I think, is engaging. There's a lot of thought put into this alternate future, um, the world, uh, what's communicated to us. What doesn't work are the moments that we are one-on-one, most specifically with Washington and the kid, uh, which out of the man and kid, (laughs) you know, that kind of needs to be it. So (laughs) it's why I kind of threw some knives at them even using this kind of played out story structure when there's just so much unique and so much care put into the film otherwise. But sitting with this film, I found myself wanting to watch it again. And if only thing, if anything, just to absorb that rich sci-fi world and support new IPs. I think right now, Gareth Edwards is positioned similarly to the early career of Neil Blomkamp, going back to District 9. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that the success is able to fuel new and exciting projects that you know, his creative style can flourish in. We're going to go ahead and give the creator a 70 on the dot. Okay. What? Oh. You thought it was going to be worse? I thought it was going to be worse. Yeah, I think I wanted to give it worse. <laughs> 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 it didn't go. I, I, wow. think, I think that's where it, it's, it could very realistically be high 60s. Yeah. I feel like uh, I'm going to, I'll make a stand on the visual design is enough to clip it right at that 70. Wow, okay, all right. So 70% for The Creator. It's out in theaters now, folks. It's not doing great. It's still it's top five if not. you want to check it. But honestly, if you just want to go see a nice, a cool sci-fi, yeah. go see it in the theaters. I think so. the theaters right now are a little weird. You know, yeah. with Exorcist and some of the spooky stuff and then some... Just things that aren't hitting, honestly. So, uh, I mean, Paw Patrol's doing well, but who wants to go see, you know, only so many people want to go see Paw Patrol. <laughs> All right, Vin, this was, like you said, a pretty damn good week I here. I think it was a great week. You know, we started off a little rough, but anyway, yeah. looking at these films, is there anything you want to touch on or anything in the future or roll credits here? Uh, no, I think we can roll credits. No trailer talk. I'm trying to think real quick if there was anything that... I hated trailer wise. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I like the Ferrari trailer. trailer oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. give Very you tasteful. anything. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't give you much. Leave it to Michael Mann. It's, I'm going to put in the, I was going to put in the newsletter as well. Okay. Uh, you heard the big news, right? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, apparently Michael Mann came out. Oh, okay. And said his next project is going to be Heat 2. Oh, no! <laughs> It might just be a rumor. Apparently, he came out with that, and he said he's interested in maybe dealing with Adam Driver with it as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, what are they going to do? I thought you were going to be more excited. Tapioca, Al Pacino, (laughs) early bird special De Niro. Like, what? Pacino, okay. Dunk (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, but, uh, okay, not very receptive to that news. (laughs) Vin, thank you so much for watching these films. Thanks for sitting down with us. Folks, we'll be back next week, of course, with some great movies also. Right now, let's go over these one more time. We have House with a 59%, Reptile with a 49%, Blue Giant with an 82%, Dumb Money with a 74%, and The Creator with a 70%. Folks, we will see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, could you give us a good rating or tell a friend about us? If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. 
You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you receive from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks, but the whole point is to be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.